Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your precious word. And above all, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And your word says that the Spirit will help you to remember what you need to remember at the right time. (laughs) So, Father God, I pray that your servant will remember what you want me to say to your people this morning, God. Help me, mighty God. I need your help to deliver what you want me to say to your people this morning, to your church and to me. Hide me behind your cross, O God. May the people see Jesus this morning and not me. Oh, Father, fill us with your presence again. Your precious, precious presence. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read from Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. Okay. Exodus chapter 34. Verse 29, beautiful piece of scripture that I've just fallen in love with. Verse 29, everyone ready? Cool. Well, my wife is anyway. Verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant. Because he has spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, He put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Amen. Moses was invited up to the top of the mountain to meet God, wasn't he? Forty days and forty nights was that mountain. He was in the presence of God. There was no way out. (laughs) He was there in the presence of God. And we just read, when he came out of the presence of God, his face was radiant. Because he had forty days with the Lord. That, that, in a way, that would have terrified me, going onto his mountain to be with God for 40 days. We have to get used to it, going to spend all eternity with him. <laughs> his face was radiant as he came out. And the Israelites saw that. When Moses spent time in the Lord's presence, the people of Israel saw that he had been in the presence of God. They were scared to come to him. They were, they, it says, doesn't it, they were scared to come to him because the glory of God was on him. They saw God in him because he spent time with him. Moses says, no, come, come to me, come to me. 
So what I want to talk to you today about is seeking the Lord's presence. Seeking the Lord's presence. We are carriers of his presence. Moses was a carrier of his presence. He'd been with him for 40 days, 40 nights, and he came down. He was full of God, full of God. And I believe from this story we can learn so many things of how to be like Moses, focused on getting to know God. He had no choice. So the first one is about seeking his presence, seeking the Lord's presence. Now, when he was up in the, in, on the mountain, or indeed in the tent, there was a tent of meeting, we read, don't we, in the Bible, where Moses would go into the tent. He'd open the door of the tent, shut the tent door, and in there was God's presence. There was no distractions. There was no TV in the corner of the tent. There was no magazines. He'd left his phone outside the tent. <laughs> he was going in the presence of God. He had no distractions. And the challenge for us today is when we want to get into the presence of God, we have so much distractions. So many distractions we have. If we want to radiate like Moses did, we need to be like that. We need to come into his presence and, dis- and put all the stuff aside. If I go into my lounge to pray in the morning and there's buses and people walking by the window, there's noise outside. It's difficult because your ears are attentive to what's going on outside. Your, your partner's shouting downstairs for a cup of tea in the morning. Things like this. It's all distractions, isn't it? Moses didn't have that. He went in that tent and he was just in God's presence. And you know the best thing? God wants you alone. He wants you alone. He desires to spend more time with you than you desire to be with him. He does. He desires you more. He desires you more. We need to declutter our lives. We need to look at what we're carrying as we go into God's presence. What are we carrying? We need to keep seeking God with, with the clutter off our lives. So God says, spend time with me. What happens when you're in his presence? You become more like him. Now, when Moses was in his presence, they saw God in him, didn't they? The people saw God in him. They were fearful of him because he, he, he showed God. Wasn't it? His face was radiant. He was carrying the presence of God. And when the more time you spend in him, I'm getting a bit scientific now, but your molecular composition changes, right? Your molecular composition of your soul changes and changes more like him. Because you start desiring him and not the things of the world. It's amazing. You think differently. You behave differently. Your attitudes are changing because you're coming more holy. Hallelujah. The holiness of God living in you it can't help but change you. Spending time in his presence. Now, I want to radiate Christ. And we've been to Greece. I don't want to radiate Santan, right? But I want to radiate Christ. Yeah. I want people to see Jesus in me, not a week in Greece. I want people to see Christ in me. 
I love Psalm 26 too. I like that. He says, test me, Lord, and try me. <laughs> Examine my heart and my mind. Wow, praise God. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. So when we're in his presence, if you say these words, you know, test me, Lord. Change me. What am I thinking, Lord? What am I thinking? And don't expect to go into Lord's presence and it's all, all nice and cozy because God will make it uncomfortable sometimes. He will show you areas of your life that need to change. He will show you the branches that need cutting off. He will show where you're not bearing fruit. He will show all the nasty little things that you're keeping. Spend time in him. Let him change you. Do not be scared when he shows you these areas of your life that aren't, aren't good. We need to know this. And then you repent, oh Lord, yeah, take that away from me, God. I want to be holy like you, Lord. Take it away, God. That's what it's about. Becoming more Christ-like. Becoming more godly-like right until the end. Day by day. Day by day. Your appointment with God in the morning is the most important appointment of the day. You can have a bank manager's meeting. You can go to school for a school meeting, a job interview. But your most important meeting is with God. Amen. Your important meeting is with God because your meeting at the school, the bank, the job interview will go better because you spent time with the Lord. He will make you and bless you. The more time you spend with him, he will bless your day. It's so true. It's so true. And, and when Moses spent all that time with God, he knew what God was changing him to be. He gave him an identity. He gave him a mission. He told Moses what he was going to be doing. This is your role. We know what God's got for us when we spend time with him. He forms us and shapes us and says, this is what I'm going to make you to be. Characters of the Bible. Jacob. He got up in the night, didn't he? He had that wrestling match with this person in the middle of the night. All night, it was God. He wouldn't let go of him until he says, I'm not letting go of you. I am not letting go of you. Until you bless me, I will bless you. You are now Jacob. You are now Israel. Because Jacob, he, had, um, he inherited the, wrong, the, the birthright, didn't he, from his brother Esau. He, he was struggling with his identity, but he had a wrestling match with God in the middle of the night. All just the two of them, him and God. And God told him, now you are now Jacob. This is your purpose. This is your plan. We can learn from these characters. We need to be in the same position. We need to be getting up in the middle of the night. Oh, this is going to be good. There's some of you now I know hearing the voice of God at 2 or 3 in the morning and you're not getting out of your bed. Oh, yeah, I'm speaking to some people. Uh, and you know it. Listen, these are the best moments of my life when I was getting up at 2 or 3 in the morning. When I heard of God and I, I discerned it 2 or 3 nights running, but it kept coming, it kept coming. It kept coming. And until I was got up, I was on my knees downstairs. Why? Because it's quiet. There's no distractions. There's no distractions at 2 or 3 in the night, is there? There's distractions at 7, 8 in the morning. Sometimes with the cars all going past and that kind of thing. But listen to the, the, God's voice. Just yield to it. And you'll have the best hour or two in the middle of the night than ever before. You will become the person that God's made you to be. There's other characters in it. Elijah, David, of course, Daniel. 
all men just seeking God alone, discovering their purpose in life. They're not just drifting through life. They sought God. They knew they had a mission from God. And of course, Jesus too. Jesus too. There's so many verses we could share about Jesus. Mark 1, 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He got up while it was still dark. No distractions again. He was King Jesus. He was going around doing all the miracles, everything he was doing. But he knew the importance of getting alone with God, his Father. He was up in the middle of the night. He says, I'm going, I'm going to sneak out. All the disciples, and he sneaked out to a solitary place and prayed to his Father. The importance of being alone with him. That's where it's at. That's where you become who God wants you to be. You know, in Colombia, so many years ago, I had this burden to get up in the middle of the night. The whole house was quiet, and that's unusual for Colombia. The whole house was quiet. I sneaked up, I got on my knees, and I just felt this burden. I was in tears. I was blaring my eyes at God, what is it? You put this burden on me, I'm praying. Use me, God, whatever it is. I'll surrender everything to you. Then a few days later, I was in another city in Colombia. Uh, a pastor came to that house, and just praying, never met him before. And he started to pray over me, and he just looked at me in the eye. He goes, I've seen your tears. I said, no, you haven't. How can you? How did he see my tears? But the spirit landed. God had seen my tears. And he's using this prophet, this pastor, to tell me. That's how God works. He does answer you. He sees your cry out for help. He sees you crying out, saying, oh, help me, Lord. What is it, God? He will answer you in his time. So listen to those calls at two or three in the morning. And some of you are going to get them this week. Oh, yeah. I want to hear the testimonies next week. I want to know who got up at two or three in the morning. Yeah, it was me. The best night ever. Praise God. And also, when Moses and the Israelites built the tabernacle, the tent, it's just a tent and a tabernacle. But why would God... I want to leave heaven and come down and live in a tent. Why do you want to come and live in a tent made by human hands? Because he wanted to be with his people. He left the comforts of heaven to come down and live in a tent to be with his people. He's come down to be with us. Make room in your tent for him. Make room in your lives for him. He desires to be in your tent. He desires it. Right now, there's people in bed with someone they shouldn't be in bed with. There's a, an alcoholic somewhere. There's an atheist now slamming God somewhere now in this world right now. But God is saying, I will use these people. He's going to use them. He used me. How how could God can use me? But God will use these people, and he's sending us to reach them. Isn't he good? He can use anyone. 
So the more times we spend in his tent, in his company, you radiate the presence as Moses radiated. So we need to show his presence. We need to show his presence. You know, some some people don't come to church because they see Christians who don't look full of joy. They give, they don't show the radiance of Jesus at all. Some Christians look like they've been smacked in the face with a wet fish, you know. But why? Because they're too. Some sometimes we get too involved in, in absorbing the things of the world still, and not desiring God above all of that, you know. I love the Olympics. I do watch the Olympics, but I still desire God above it. I have to. I have to. Because the Olympics will come and go, but God won't. God is good. And when you, when you get God, you, see, you, you, you appreciate the football and the Olympics for what it is. A gift to enjoy, to compete, but it's in its right place. It's not my God. Jesus is my God. We don't want to be hypocrites. We want to show God all the time. We come to church on a Sunday morning, we sing the songs, we're in his presence. And on Monday morning, we go back to work and conform to all the gossip of the office, moaning at the person next to oh, yeah, she's no good, he's no good, yeah, he's always yeah, having an affair over there, yeah. No, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be hypocrites. We want to be carriers of his presence seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And this is strong from Jesus in Matthew 15, 8 to 9. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus knows your hearts. He knows true worshipers. He knows true, true followers of him. Deny your cross. Follow me. With everything you have. And as we do that, we will radiate Christ. We will radiate his joy. I've loved the worship this morning about the joy and celebration. Oh, it's so wonderful, isn't it? Come on. Woo, I am full of the joy at the moment. I feel like exploding to another song in, in a second. Come on, Jesus. It's been like a weekend, hasn't it? I feel the joy, I feel the joy. I feel the joy of the Lord. Right. And Paul famously writes, as in 2 Corinthians 3, is what Paul now writes. 2 Corinthians 3, 12 to 18. This is talking about Moses and the veil. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who had put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for, for to this day the same veil remains when the covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Only in Christ is it taken away. And even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. 
And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's so good, isn't it? I want people to see the radiance of Christ in my face. I do. I desperately And when people say, you've got the heart of David, or I just want to show Jesus. He's done so much for me. He's pulled me from the pit. He deserves it all. He deserves it all. God is so faithful and true. And patience. So patient. So we do need to display Christ. We need to show Christ in our actions, in our behavior at work. I love some of the stories I'm hearing from people here where they're making a difference at work. Well, God's making a difference at work through you, of course. God gets the glory. But it's amazing. Beautiful stories from Mandy and people at work. Fantastic. You are amazing, Mandy. You're a real light for Jesus. You are bringing a lot of people to Christ for your work. So be blessed. Be blessed. It's amazing. And others too. It's easy actually to share about church. If you go to work on a Monday morning or whatever, people say, what did you do the weekend? Oh, I went to church. Did You went to where? Church. No, I went to church and it was amazing. What? It's amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. Church was so alive. The worship was amazing. Oh, thank God it was great. That's not hard, is it? That's the truth, isn't it? You can say, tomorrow you can say, well, I went to church. Oh, the preaching was amazing. Amen. Technology wasn't great, but hey, he's all right. So when we start to show his presence, we can't help but share it, can we? Because people will see it and say, there's something different about you. Now, I'm not boasting, but I'm boasting the Lord Jesus Christ only. But sometimes when I go to a work situation or a place, people say, I enjoy you coming because you light up the room. I don't smoke, but I light up the room. It's Jesus shining up the room. That's what it is. And I stand back and it's sort of boom. Wow, God, come on. And it will give you an opportunity to spread that. Because they'll ask, what is it? What's the difference? Well, I have peace in Christ. It's Jesus that lives in me, that makes me live every day for my work. Because if it wasn't for that, my work, would I would be really bored with it. It's only God that gives me the strength now in my work to do it every day. It's only him. I, I've been doing my work for nearly 29, 30 years now. I know I don't look old enough, but that's the truth. I... I Measuring the same bit of stone, for, you know, it, it can drive you a bit crazy, but it's only because of God now and the opportunity it gives me at my workplace to share Christ. I've seen stonemasons healed. I've shared the gospel with laborers on building sites, dozens and dozens of people in London around the streets because I've been there working. This is what now God's put me in. We share His presence with people. It's amazing. We need to be ready. And 1 Peter 3:15. It says, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Be prepared to give an answer. But do this with gentleness and respect. 
We can do that. We can all share that. There's too many sad people in the world already. We don't need sad Christians too. (laughs) We need to be the light of the world. Allow Jesus to shine through you. And what I loved about this story, when Moses came down, radiating the glory of God. He came down with the glory of God, his spirit. But he came down anchored with the word of God too. He was carrying the word of God. He knew the word of God. So we're a church that believes in the word and the spirit. The two are unity together. The word and the spirit together, it's power. But we recognize too that you can have the glory of God, see the miraculous of God, but we need to come back alone, get anchored back into the word of God. Because Moses knew his word. Moses knew the word of God too. He was carrying it in his hands. He knew it. We need to get alone with God again, close the door of our tent, get in there with the word of God again, after seeing all the wonderful things that God's doing in our lives, and come back to him again. Study the word of God again, alone with him. The two go together. Amen? And what I like about Moses is when they were building the tabernacle and the tents, God gave lots of instructions. You know, it wasn't an Ikea instruction pack. It was, you know, to the detail. These curtains will be X millimeters and it, bang on measurements. And when it was constructed, to all the specific details that God laid down, the, the materials and the ram skins dyed with red and all, all the things that God laid down in particular detail, Moses went around and checked the whole construction to the millimeter. He had his tape measure out. He was signing it off, checking God's word, checking God's word, ticking it off. He knew God's word. Now what that says is we have to be particular to God's word. There was no, oh, that will do. That's a few millimeters out. We'll leave that. Doesn't worry about that. God says 10 millimeters. That means 10 millimeters, not nine. God says 10 millimeters. All the word of God. We can't just cut and paste what we want. It's every detail to the millimeter. Every single letter may not fall on dry ground. Moses knew and put into practice every single word of God. He signed it off and then blessed his people. That's what Moses did. He signed off the tabernacle and blessed his people because they knew they constructed it well. Now, we, as people, we're going to make mistakes, aren't we? We will make mistakes. We're humans. And along the way, I'm, I'm imagining that there may be one or two errors in the construction of that tent along the way because they're human they'll make mistakes oh let's cut that bit too short we'll do another one get it right this time but what they presented at the end was perfection along the way there's one or two misdemeanors but at the end it was perfection they presented perfection back to god and that's like us in our journey along the way we're going to make mistakes but at the end it's perfection in the image of christ is that good it's good news isn't it and the world, you see, doesn't allow for mistakes anymore. The minute there's a mistake somewhere or someone's had an accident or whatever, everyone wants to sue everybody. We, people want perfection. You know, if, if I might, in my business, if I make a piece of stone wrong, that's, that's a few hundred pounds or more. They want, who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for that? Straight away, there's a, there's a culture at the moment of no one's going to make mistakes. And that's sad. The world's getting like that. We need to 
to, to be, not be fearful of making mistakes. I suggest that in your workplaces, don't be forced to rush things. Take your time. You've still got eight hours of work a day. That's it. You do what you do in your eight hours. Work hard for the Lord for eight hours and, and do your work well. Don't be forced into making mistakes. The world will push you and push you and push you. But don't be forced. Because along that will come worries and burdens. But just do you what you can in those eight hours. And um, we need to be obedient to the instruction manual of God. Moses was to the millimeter. We need to be also to the millimeter. Uh, when we get God, though, we show his presence and we share his presence. We've been speaking about the Holy Spirit a lot this morning. He's deposited us his holiness. It's an awesome thing. We can't, I, I sometimes can't help when the Holy Spirit's in me. It's bubbling up. I just want to explode. I just want to explode. Who are we to suppress God? Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. He's God. If he's in you, how can you suppress him? How can you say, no, stay down there, God. I'm going to, you know, you, we've got to let him bubble over. There are times to come quietly with the word of God in his presence and worship him alone. But there are times when the Holy Spirit is building you up so much. There's examples in the Bible, isn't there, with when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost. The people saying, look at these lot, they're all drunk. And Paul says, no, 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 it's nine in the morning. They're not drunk. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will manifest in different ways. But they allowed it to happen. They said, come and use me then, God. Fill me again. Fill this empty cup, Lord. Allow this Holy Spirit to come through. And the Holy Spirit to the world will make you do, appear crazy things. To the world, it may seem strange. But sometimes, I've been speaking to a, a Christian yesterday too. He exactly the same things that I feel. He says, sometimes, I, Stevie says, I come out of spirit-filled worship. I can't walk. I'm staggering like a drunk, he says. He's like this, because he's drunk in the spirit. He says, I'm drunk in the spirit. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20, doesn't it? Paul says, do not get drunk on wine. This leads to debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. We're allowed to be filled with the spirit. You can't contain the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. After a meeting here a year or so ago, we, we left here late one evening. The Holy Spirit was so strong that night. And we were driving home. We got to the T-junction near Karen's house. And I was driving, and then a, a car sort of was left. He wasn't turning left. I don't know what he was doing. So I sort of edged forward. He edged forward. We both sort of in an edging competition. And, and it was a police car. So I, we both sort of stopped. And I said, what are you doing? I said, Whoa, what are you doing? I said, well, is my right away or... He put the lights on and came to the driver's door and says, do you mind getting out, sir? And I thought, oh, Lord, help me. So I got out of the car. And as soon as, as, soon as the fresh air hit me, though, God, I felt like, whew, 
we had a spirit-filled evening at church. I tell you, it was amazing. And I got out of the car and I felt, I was like, whoa, Lord. What? I, was, I was starting to laugh. He said, I was, I was like, whoo <laughs> like this. He goes, have you been drinking, sir? I said, no, officer. No, officer, I haven't drink at all. <laughs> I, said, I said it like that. Honestly, I was like, I haven't drunk a drop. Like, no. Where you been? Can I ask where you been? Church. <laughs> I've been to church, officer. Church? Never heard of that one, have you? You talked to this friend. I said, oh, it's great church. It's great. We left late. It's amazing. Holy Spirit. Woo, like it. And he says, well, if you're telling the truth, when you blow in this bag, it'll be zero. I said, it'll be zero. <laughs> you, you try, it'll be zero. So Lily was saying, stand up straight in Spanish. Stand up straight. Oh, sorry. <sighs> it's like, honestly, it was amazing. And I blew in this bag, and it was zero. I says, told you, officer. <laughs> and, we, and we shared where we'd been, what happened. You know, these young police officers, they're only about 21, I think. They were so young, but everyone's younger than me now. But was it me? Was it me being silly? Was it me in control? I don't, but something happened. The spirit, I think God was maybe you made me use it in this sermon. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is what happens, isn't it, in meetings with the spirit? You just can't contain God. You need to be washed over. God is now looking at this, these end times for people who are hungry for him. No more paddling in the shallow end of the spirit. He wants you in the deeper, deeper, deeper end. He wants you to be drowned in his spirit. Drowned in his spirit. Not to drown to die, but drown and let it wash over you. Let it just contain you. It's incredible. We need to surrender to the presence of his spirit. Allow God to break in us, lost in him. We need to be lost in him. Cool. Can we say, I love you, Lord? I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. You know, Jesus says, I will send my spirit to be with you. And what happened at Pentecost, the Spirit enables us to, to pray in tongues and, and, and be, be refreshed. It was such a refreshing meeting that night. It was refreshing. It was like the joy of the Lord. Janet would know she went over a few times. Praise God. An amazing night, wasn't it? The presence of God fell in that place. We need to immerse ourselves in him. Get alone in his presence. Allow him to change us. We all seek the presence of God. We all seek the presence of God in our quiet times, in church meetings like this. We need to understand who he is. And he wants to be with us more than we want to be with him. He does desire to be here. We need our hearts ready and open to receive him by his Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come. But it has to be tempered with the instruction manual. It has to come with the word of God too. It grounds us again. It grounds us again. Too much of the Spirit will make you blow up. 
We need the book, his word, to come back again. Put it all into obedience in our walk with him. And the Holy Spirit makes you fall in love with the Bible more and more. And when you read those difficult chapters of Leviticus about the sacrifices and the fellowship offerings and the, and the grain offerings and all these offerings, you understand it more. That's why I shared Leviticus earlier in the communion. Because it's the holiness of God. We cannot enter his presence because we are sinful. And he's a holy God. When we read those books, that's how holy he is and perfect he is. We can't change the word of God. He is who he is. He says who he is. There's no compromise with God. Thank you, Father. With Jesus, God has now played his last card, really. I said, it's my son. Turn to him. Turn to him. Jesus is now the covenant. Are we ready to accept that? Well, I know most of us are. Energize us, Lord. Fill us with your presence, O God. Help us, O mighty God, to be carriers of your presence. To be carriers of your presence. Help us, O God, to be carriers of your presence as Moses radiated you. Help us to radiate Christ. Father, we thank you. And and also with God, with the Spirit too, there is joy and celebration. We've done it all morning. And as I grew up, my image of church was quite stuffy really. You know, there wasn't no joy. I, I got the wrong impression of it all. And seven, eight years ago when we were in Colombia, before I became a Pentecostal Christian, shall we say, they were having a worship at this uh, campamento, which was an Easter retreat. And uh, suddenly the, the whole congregation picked all their chairs up, put them to the sides and formed this massive floor of dance. And I was over in the corner as a shy Englishman. I said, oh, I'm not dancing. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more sophisticated. Than, I'm not dancing. But I was dragged into the middle by one of my sisters. And all, she goes, vamos, Stevis, dancer, dancer. So I was like, yeah, really good. La, 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 la. Right. I wasn't really enjoying it. But then I went on my knees. And I felt God talk to me. He goes, are you going to dance for me or what? Are you going to dance for me? Or are you going to be one of those people on the side just critiquing. Like King David, like Matthew Lewis shared it last week, didn't he? Talk about joy in King David. I I heard Matthew Lewis preaching last week. He talked about King David, didn't he? And about Saul's daughter saying, who are you, King David, to dance? Who are you? He goes, I'm going to dance more mad than this, honey. I'm going to go even more bonkers for this. I ain't even started yet. And I felt this welling up on 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 my knees in this floor in Colombia. And I got up and I was, I was amazing. Right. right. 
And they were all copying me at the end of it, I tell you. Hallelujah. You can't help, can you? Oh, Lord, you know, the, the joy of the Lord is incredible. It's intoxicating. And as you get on fire for God, there will always be someone who wants to put you out. There's always a fire extinguisher about. <laughs> watch out, watch out. There's a fire extinguisher about. We've all had them. Oh, you've gone a bit too far. No, oh, I haven't even started yet. <laughs> I haven't even started yet. Hallelujah. We haven't even started yet. King David showed us joy, didn't he? This is the house of the Lord. This is the house of his joy. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let's give a shout of praise to Jesus right now. Hallelujah! Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www. .kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.